Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to, to mute idols. Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous signs, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Well, Pastor Jeff welcomed the couple into his office and they came in and they took a seat on the couch together and Jeff could see that the woman was quite discouraged, her shoulders were drooped and her eyes were mostly fixed on the carpet. So Pastor Jeff cut to the chase and as quickly as he could, he said, well, Janet, I am glad that you're here and I wonder if you could just share a bit about what you're struggling with. And so Janet began to share and she spoke about how she'd been a Christian for a number of years now and how she loved being part of the church. But she was more and more feeling like she didn't fit in because there didn't seem to be any ministries where she could really serve. And Janet finished by saying, I guess I just don't feel like I have anything to offer. I, I guess I just don't have a spiritual gift. Uh, and at this point, Janet's husband, Jim, he piped up uh, and he explained that he, he wasn't really quite sure how to help Janet. Jim spoke about how he had always been good with computers, uh, which was why he'd gone to study IT at uni and then he'd end up working in the field. And after explaining this, Jim added, well, I, I guess that's why I've never really experienced what Janet's going through. You know, I've just always been good at computers and so I guess that's, that's my spiritual gift, computers. Well, there are a few moments silence after this, and Pastor Jeff pondered what Janet and Jim had said to him. He, did, he had the sensitivity not to say this aloud, but in his head, he couldn't help but think how lucky he was to have one of the big, really important gifts. He loved stepping up the front each Sunday to deliver a tear-jerking, spell-binding sermon from God's Word. And truth be told, well, he felt a bit sorry for people like Janet, people who seemed to have missed out on the good gifts, who would probably have to settle for washing dishes in the kitchen. The question was, how was he going to break that bad news to her? 
And how was he going to find some way to explain to Jim there's really nothing spiritual about computers? Well, I should let you know that's only a made-up story. I do kind of wish, though, that Janet and Jim and Jeff could be here with us this morning because they each have some pretty wonky ideas about spiritual gifts. I wish I could see the smile on Janet's face when she discovers how God plans to use her. I wish that Jim could think a little more carefully about whether IT is or isn't a spiritual gift. And quite frankly, I wish that Pastor Jeff would eat humble pie and stop being so proud and ungodly. But whatever the case, I think the Apostle Paul does us a great favor when he begins 1 Corinthians 12 with these words, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be uninformed. And we saw in the case of Janet and Jim and Jeff, it is so easy to be uninformed about spiritual gifts, and the consequences can be quite serious. Which is why we want to look closely at what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. Now, this is the second sermon in our series called One Body, Everybody. It's a chance for us to think about what it means for our church to be the body of Christ, made up of all different people who all have different gifts and different roles to play, and yet we are all needed in order for Riverbank to be a healthy, thriving church. Jack kicked things off last week by talking about how the, body, about how the church is a bit like a big body made up of lots of different body parts. Now today we're going to zoom in on what do those different parts do? We're talking about spiritual gifts, and we're going to try to answer three questions. Where do spiritual gifts come from? What are spiritual gifts? And then finally, well, how do I know what my gifts are, and what do I do if I missed out and I didn't get one? That's where we're going. Let's start by asking, where do spiritual gifts come from? Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says this in verses... 4 to 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, if you've been at Riverbank for a while, you'll know that there are so many things that happen in our church each week. There are so many interactions, so many ministries, so many quiet acts of service. And one of the joys of being a pastor is that I often get a bit of a, a sneak peek at what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, it's beautiful to see people quietly serving and, and needs being met and lives being transformed. I'm privileged to witness it, but let me tell you, I do not orchestrate it. None of us do. None of us can see how it all fits together. We don't see how that word of encouragement and then that deed of kindness sort of ripples around the church like falling dominoes as, as grace is spread and faith is built. But God does. We don't know who will walk through these doors and put their faith in Jesus and join the church, but God does. Only God knows how each person at Riverbank fits into the puzzle perfectly. And only God knows how he wants to use each of us. 
And that's what Paul is saying here in verses 4 to 6. Behind it all, through it all, God is at work. In all the diversity, there's unity. The unity that is anchored in God. Anchored in actually a triune God who is himself both three persons and yet perfectly one. Did you see the Trinity mentioned there? The Spirit in verse 4, the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 5, and God the Father in verse 6. And then notice that amazing phrase at the end of verse 6. In all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Why do we need to hear this? Because like the church in Corinth, we can easily fall into the trap of comparing gifts and ranking them. And we figure that the showy of the gift, well, that person must be extra special, and it's probably a sign that God is blessing them more. And Paul says, no, 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 they are all from God. It's not about how spiritual you are. It's not about someone being better than someone else. You know the thing about gifts? They're gifts. They aren't earned. They aren't deserved. And so if you have one, you can't brag about it. And if you don't have it, you can't mope about it. So, so there's just no room for pride when it comes to spiritual gifts. But, but on the flip side, it also means that no one can say what Janet said, well, at least it's not actually true. I've, I've got nothing to offer. I'm dead weight. To be sure, we're all weak. We're all sinful. But God has handpicked every one of us, and he's put his spirit in us, and he's chosen to use us. Dare we say to God, well, I think you made a mistake with me. I don't think you're powerful enough to use me. We'll talk more about that soon. But for now... Let's go on to ask, what are these spiritual gifts? We've, we've seen where spiritual gifts come from. They come from God through the Holy Spirit. But what are spiritual gifts? Well, you probably noticed in verses 8 to 10, Paul gives us a list of them. Let's read it together. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. It's probably some type of teaching. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. That's probably also a type of teaching. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Not referring to saving faith that every believer has, but to some kind of extraordinary faith. Uh, to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. That is, um, being able to discern what is false and what is true. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, it's important to notice that when Paul gives lists of spiritual gifts in other passages in the New Testament, they're different. All the lists are different. So, for example, notice that Paul's list at the end of chapter 12, he lists a few more there, it includes some things he didn't mention before, like apostles, prophets, teachers... He talks about helping. It's probably a very practical gift, basically meaning to serve. And he talks about guidance, which is probably the gift of leadership and administration. Uh, and then we can pad this out even further from the list in Romans 12, verses 6 to 8, which also mentions serving, encouraging, giving, that's using what you've got to help others, leading and showing mercy. 
having a special level of compassion to help those who are hurting. Now, it's a big list, right? But it can all really be boiled down into two main categories. Uh, 1 Peter 4, verse 11, it's summed up as speaking gifts and serving gifts. Word and deed, speaking and serving. Now, what do these different lists tell us? They tell us that Paul is not trying to catalogue every single gift that exists. That's not his goal. Rather, he's giving us examples of the incredibly diverse range of gifts that exist. He wants us to know they all come from God and every one of them is important. Now, it's tempting to stop there, to kind of scan the list, find a couple that you think you're pretty good at and run with it. Or for some of us, it's tempting to get sidetracked by the miraculous gifts. They're intriguing, you know, tongues, prophecy, healing. I'm sorry to disappoint you. We're not going to address that this morning because it's really a side issue. In fact, if we just talk about that list of gifts and just say, well, what they are, and I think I've got this, we're really only answering half the question of what are spiritual gifts? It's a bit like if I ask you, what is a dog? And you say, a dog is a poodle. A dog is a Jack Russell Terrier. A dog is a golden retriever. And that's true, but we need to go deeper. To dig into what a spiritual gift really is, we need to answer the question, what makes a spiritual gift spiritual? Is a spiritual gift different from natural abilities? And if so, how? Maybe you've wondered this before. I mean, remember Jim? If Jim has a natural ability with computers, he had that before he was a Christian, then he became a Christian, did IT just whoop, suddenly become his spiritual gift? Well, to help us answer this question, please look with me at a couple of verses in Romans 1 that make this clear. So in Romans 1, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He's telling them that he wants to come and visit them soon. Why? Here's what he says. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. See why he wants to use a spiritual gift. To make them strong. Strong like what? Physical strong? Is Paul a personal trainer? I think verse 12 clarifies what kind of strength he's speaking about. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That's really the key to all of this, is faith. Paul has faith. And they have faith. All Christians have faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that He died and rose again to save us from our sins. Faith that He's with us through every struggle in life, every sin, every temptation. Faith that He is coming back again one day soon. And Paul says, I want to use my spiritual gifts to strengthen your faith. Because really, this should be the goal of the church. This should be the great goal of Riverbank. To be built up in our faith. So that we're not shaken by suffering and we're not swayed by false teaching and we're not torn down by bickering and disunity. We want to be built up. 
And if you jump back to our passage in 1 Corinthians 12, I think that's what Paul means in verse 7 when he says, Our spiritual gifts are given for the common good. And then he's going to build on this idea in a couple of chapters. Chapter 14, verse 12, he says, Well, since you're eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Try to excel in those gifts that build up the church. Okay, now stay with me. This, this is what makes a spiritual gift different from a natural ability. A spiritual gift isn't just someone who's naturally good with technology and then does some tech stuff for the church. It has to start with someone who loves the Lord and wants to help others grow in their love for the Lord too. And then the Spirit helps that person to bend their God-given ability to serve that goal. So the start of every spiritual gift is personal faith. The Spirit in you, filling you with the desire to love God and love others. That's where it starts. The end goal is that every spiritual gift is used to build others up in their faith, make the church stronger, bring more people into the church. What happens in the middle between us having faith and them being built up? Well, it's us doing whatever we can to achieve that goal. Doing whatever we can, whatever, whatever abilities, whatever passions, whatever opportunities we have to encourage and strengthen and bless and build up others. Uh, here's how John Piper puts it. I think this is really helpful. We'll go to the next slide when we can. This quote from Piper. A spiritual gift is an expression of faith which aims to strengthen faith. I'll say that again. A spiritual gift is an expression of faith which aims to strengthen faith. Now, this has huge implications for us. This means that as a church, if we hire and appoint someone to staff or, or to a ministry or to the office of elder or deacon, we do not just choose the person who is most talented. Why? Because if they don't sincerely love God and want to help others love God, they're actually not going to build up the church. If they don't serve from a place of humble faith, seeking to build up the faith of those around them so that they can point them to Jesus, it doesn't really matter how talented they are. They're not going to end up Manifesting the Spirit for the common good. It's tempting to think that if we could just give everyone a list of the gifts, they do a survey, they work out what their gifts are, then we'd be all good to go and Riverbank would, would go to the next level. I've been tempted to think like this. But I think we're starting to see why actually that's not enough, is it? Another quote from Piper, I think he hits the nail on the head when he says this. I really believe that the problem of not knowing our spiritual gifts, oh, I don't know what my gifts are, that's not the problem. More basic is the problem of not desiring very much to strengthen other people's faith. The basic problem is becoming the kind of person who wakes up in the morning, thanks God for our great salvation, and then says, Lord, oh, how I want to strengthen people's faith today. Grant that at the end of this day, somebody will be more confident in your promises and more joyful in your grace because I crossed his path. 
In other words, the main problem is not that we don't know how to serve, it's that we don't want to serve. Is that fair? Is that harsh? We may want to look good. We may want a position of influence. We may want to achieve great things. But do we want a private, sacrificial, stinky foot-washing ministry like that of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do you remember Janet sitting in Pastor Jeff's office, sharing how inadequate and useless she feels? And remember Jeff with his smug satisfaction at how good he is at preaching? What do both of those people really need? What do all of us really need in order to use our gifts well? We need to get on our knees and see Jesus, the perfect one, gasping on the cross, dying for us, bearing all the good, perfect wrath of God for our sin, bearing the agony of hell for us. And then from that place of humility, we begin to marvel at God's staggering grace. I, I got stuck on this this week. God doesn't just want to save us. He wants to use us. That is next level. We begin to get excited that at last there's something bigger to live for than just ourselves and just all the things in this world that don't ever satisfy us. And we begin to understand what Jesus said. There's actually more blessed to give than to receive. And slowly but surely, our desires start to shift outward. God pries us off ourselves and starts to give us a heart for others. A desire to see them be strengthened in Christ, to see them be built up. And we do that not just by serving people in our church. We build up the church by serving people who are not in the church, unbelievers, our neighbors, our workmates, our friends, so that they too can be drawn to Christ and into His church. Is that what you long for God to do through you? Is that the growth that you long for God to produce here at Riverbank? All right, it's just about time to finish, but before we do, let's, let's get practical. Okay, so we've looked at where do spiritual gifts come from. We've looked at what is a spiritual gift? What are they? How do we use them? But now finally we have to ask, well, how do I know what my gifts are and what if I didn't get one? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that every single Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Uh, See the last verse of our passage, verse 11. The Spirit distributes them to each One, just as he determines. And in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So if you're a Christian and you're feeling a bit like Janet this morning, and you're not sure if you really do have anything to offer, please listen. God has not put his spirit in you to fail to use you and bear fruit through you. The only question is, how can you work out what your gifts are? And as I've been reading and thinking about that this week, how do I know what my gifts are? I've kept coming across the same piece of advice from different wise, godly men, advice that I realized I heard from my dad years and years and years ago. And it seems a little bit counterintuitive, but I think it's actually quite helpful. One more quote from John Piper. 
Don't make it your aim to discover your gift. Don't make it your aim to discover your gift. Rather, make it your aim to love people for Christ's sake. And then do it in as many ways that feel natural to your personality as you can. End quote. See, we so easily start to think about our gifts and our place in the church, don't we? But we have to be careful about that. Because there is a difference between focusing on what I can do and focusing on what do others need. Do you see that distinction? I know it's subtle, because I know if you're focusing on what others need, it's going to involve you thinking about what you can do for them, but your driving concern is meeting their needs. Whereas if the focus is more on what I can do, then I can start to become more focused on myself, on on my place in the church, on whether I fit in here. And the Bible says, don't worry about whether you fit in. You do. You know that because God put you here. Stop worrying about that and get on with blessing others. Which is actually quite liberating, right? Because it means we don't have to work out exactly what our gifts are. You don't have to have a name for each of them. You don't have to have them listed. Oh, well, this one first, then this one, then this one. It doesn't matter. Instead, you can say, well, I'm just going to seek to bless the church and, and build up other people's faith however I can. And if you start living like that, the Spirit will use you. And over time, you'll start to discover your gifts. And you'll start to see that there are certain things that the Spirit helps you to do more joyfully, more effectively, more efficiently than other people. That'll be your natural wiring. I'm particularly mindful of what someone else is struggling with. Well, maybe you have the gift of showing mercy. I, I just have this urge constantly to encourage this person and say something that will build them up. Maybe you have the gift of encouragement. I just find it easy to have people around in my home and just... Um, Look out for those people who look left out and bring them in for a meal. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality and the list could go on. You just discover it as you go. And so many of you are doing this and it's, it's wonderful. And I want you to be encouraged. You love the church. You're finding ways to serve and God is at work through you. It's awesome. For those of you who still aren't sure, I just want to say get involved and see what happens. And when I say get involved, I don't necessarily mean sign up to serve on the roster of an official ministry. I'm actually convinced that the key to a really healthy church is that we minister in all the other ways that are organic and not just organized, that are spontaneous and not just structured, that are private and not just public. So don't just think, what ministry, what roster? How can I bless the people around me? Seven days a week. And when I say get involved, I don't mean wait for an elder or a pastor to come and tap you on the shoulder and recruit you. Don't wait for church council to start the ministry that you're so passionate about seeing happen. Church council wants to empower you, not hold you back. Imagine if about 12 men were bottlenecking what this church could achieve. By all means, come to them and tell them what you're planning and, and, and let them guide you and work on it together, but don't wait for them to do it all themselves because it, it just won't happen. 
Well, I, I can barely imagine the awesome things that would happen at Riverbank if every one of us, every day of the week, woke up and started our day like this. Thank you, Lord, for the great gift of salvation. Please fill me with your spirit today and show me the needs of those around me. Show me how I can strengthen someone's faith today or tell someone about Jesus if they've never heard of him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are at work among us. Thank you that we have the Holy Spirit living in each believer here, living in our midst. Lord, we don't see all the ways that you're working, but we trust that you have a perfect plan and you're powerful to bring it to completion. And your plan is to build up the church for every believer to be strengthened in their faith, to love Jesus more, to love others more, to reach out to the lost with love and compassion, to be rock solid through suffering. Lord, we pray that you would build up the church and that you'd use every person here to do it. For anyone who is unsure of whether they have spiritual gifts or how they can serve, Lord, I pray that you would give them a heart that loves others, the courage to look around them, to see a need, to say a word, to do something, or to join a ministry, to join a roster, to find some way to start giving and blessing others. Lord, for those who give so much already to this church and yet sometimes feel that they don't give enough, or they aren't sure if they're serving in the right way, Lord, would you encourage them, I pray. I thank you for them. I thank you for all the people who give and sacrifice so much to make Riverbank the beautiful church community that it is. Lord, continue to fill them with your spirit, we pray, and spur them on. Lord, may all of us more and more grow together, unity in the faith, and to maturity in Christ. We pray that this might happen as we use our spiritual gifts to bless each other and build your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.